Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Gian. Hey, Chad. Um, in today's interview, I got the chance to speak with Adam Godwin. Um, besides his great British accent, Adam is such a godly leader. Um, I got to know him here at Liberty. Now he's at Randolph, um, but he got to share all of his, uh, the background story of how he ended up at Liberty from England um, and then how that took him away um, for a few years before coming back to Liberty to, to be the soccer coach here for a few years. And then just incredible how, how God takes you some places unexpectedly. He actually started working in the football program here at Liberty as the director of recruiting in a sport that even though they have the same name in, in England, um, it, it's completely different. Um, set of skills um, and and he was just so thankful to be a part of that program even though he didn't know much about the sport he learned he, he even mentioned that he got a master's degree in leadership from the head coaches that he served under at that point um, one of the things that I want to point out from Adam is that he's changed my life more than he, he, he he's aware of um, he introduced me to a program called True North Sports back in 2016 and we talk about it a little bit in the interview and um, True North Sports does a great job of professional development that is non-sport specific. So coaches, if you're, if you're thinking about getting better as a coach, not about the X's and O's, but relational, um, about even getting to the soul of your players, uh, True North Sports is a great place to check out. And Chad, I, I'm so thankful for this conversation and I can't wait to get into it right now. Adam, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We'd like to get started and uh, ask you a power question. What does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? You know, I think what it means to, means for me to be a Christian coach, um, I think ultimately surrounds, you know, doing things that w with character and integrity. Um, you know, I think um, as I've got older, you know, I'm 38 now, so don't feel that old, you know, but I, I think the older I get, you know, when I was young, it was all about winning and yeah, you're a Christian, but you know, you, you just want to win and you don't really care how you do it. And <clears throat> the older you get, the more you, the more you recognize the life lessons involved in winning and, and losing and um, modeling that to your athletes, uh, whether they're Christian or not. Um, and um ultimately you know when you again when you're young you think you're going to win every game you think you're going to win every championship and uh, again as you get older you, you you enjoy that journey a little bit more and, and it's about the the lessons that you learn the lessons you impart but you know as a Christian um, it's ultimately about trying to um, make sure that I think win lose or draw finish top of the league or bottom of the league when you walk off that field everyone around is in no doubt who you represent, um, you know, and that's, and obviously that's Christ. And um, I think that's, uh, that's a challenge in the heat of our sport and in the heat of our ambitions and all those different things. Um, but it's, it, it's a, it's a challenge I've enjoyed. And, and, and I think as well now, you know, I've, I've just, I'm about two and a half years into being a head coach and you really feel that responsibility more um, because you represent everybody um and and you want to represent them in a christ-like manner so that's um you know without hopefully not being too too broad an answer i just i just feel that responsibility 
to coach um, understanding who I represent better. Well, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you're now, at, you've, as you said, you've been the head coach at Randolph for two and a half years. Um, take us back uh, as far back as you want. Um, and how did you end up? Tell us a little bit about your story and how you end up now at Randolph. Yeah, you know, I like to think that I've got about as interesting uh, a pathway, you know, as possible. And, and when it, you know, when you start as an assistant coach, you know, you look out and you think, oh, this is great. I'm an assistant coach. I'm on the pathway. I'll do this. Then I'll get a better job. Then I'll get a better job. Then I'll be a head coach. Then I'll win a national championship. And it, it just all seems like this straight line. And much like everything in life, right, it isn't. Um, so, you know, I went to Liberty University and, and came over from England, full scholarship and all those different things. I really enjoyed, really loved my playing career uh, at LU and then <clears throat> graduated. And, and, and to be honest, didn't, didn't particularly have a plan or a desire uh, to coach, certainly as a living. Um, I was a sports management major. I thought I was going to maybe be in a front office environment, something like that. Um, I always knew I'd probably coach, on, but, but on the side, like, you know, I'd coach a U16 boys team or something like that, you know, and, and that's what I did when I graduated. I moved to Atlanta and had a real job, um, but also coached a little bit on the side. And, but then um, kind of out of the blue, I got a phone call from James Price, who was the head women's soccer coach at LU at the time, just asking if I wanted to come back up. And, and, and I was really excited too, because, you know, my, my real job wasn't as exciting as my college days made it seem like it might be, you know. Uh, so I was excited to come back. But even then, even then when I, when I accepted that job, it was really only with sort of a two-year mindset in place. I was like, you know what? I'll go back up. I'll get my master's at Liberty, and then I'll get back on with my life. But I think as, as anybody who's coached collegiately finds, you pretty quickly get bitten by that bug, and, and that bug is really relationships, right? Um, you know, you just, you just love the coaching. You love the relationship you build with the players. So spent about two and a half years as, as the assistant women's soccer coach at LU. And then uh, Coach Price left. He, he took a job up in Iowa. Um, I didn't even know where that was. So when he asked if I wanted to come, I was like, I don't even know what that is, James. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was, I was really young. So um, I didn't get the head coaching job, as you can imagine, because I, I had absolutely no business getting that job. I had no experience. And as it is at the Division One level, you know, the, the, the new head coach comes in with their own ideas and, and who they want to bring in. So I very much thought I was on the way out at LU, um, which wasn't ideal because my, I didn't have a green card yet. I was married, but my green card wasn't organized yet. So my work visa was tied to Liberty. And just when I kind of thought I was leaving, um, someone recommend, someone said to me, hey, there's a, there's a job open in the football program, as in the American football program. And they were like, you know, I've, I've talked to the head football coach. Why don't you go and interview for it? And I just thought this person was mad because I literally I couldn't, I can't even begin to explain to you how little I know about American football. But anyway, um, went over, interviewed, and 45 minutes later, I've got the job and I'm the assistant director of operations and recruiting for um, Liberty's American football program. And and, you know, that's a long story, but, you know, my experience is there. But I spent five years doing that job and I love it. It's the longest job I've ever had. And I loved it. I, what I learned there was on a, it was a master's degree in leadership in how to run a program. Um, you know, the people I got to work with were unbelievable. And God, God answered so many prayers in that five years. 
um, that I would never have, and I'd never have chosen that job for myself, you know, and just a really great example of how God works. And um, so I did that for five years. It was brilliant. We won four conference titles in that time. And, um, and then I, another phone call out of the blue, um, the, the women's soccer coach, Elio asked if I wanted to come back over and, and I was thrilled to, because after, after five years, you wonder if that door's ever going to open again, you know? So thrilled to go back over to women's soccer and, and spent three 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 and a half years there we won four conference titles it's the still the most successful period in women's soccer history at LU and it was it was just brilliant and a an opportunity to take everything I'd learned in football and apply it um over there and and it was brilliant so that that took us to about um spring of 2016 and and the head coach retired um didn't get the head coaching job and, and and they hired a really really talented head coach but same thing wanted to bring in his own people and that's that's absolutely fine and but this time nowhere for me to land at Lib. left it had to leave LU and uh that was kind of May 2016 and really was out of work for for almost a year um I did volunteer coach over at um Lynchburg College or University of Lynchburg as they are now um, and, and really enjoyed that experience, um, but really was out of work, you know, and um, uh, April of 2017, I took a position back at Liberty with the, with the Flames Club, which is their, um, their booster club, their, develop, you know, their development arm, and, and that was out of necessity as much as anything else, but, you know, God's provision and, and all those different things, and I did that again for almost a year uh, before this opportunity at Randolph, uh, appeared in March of 2018. So again, just a, a crazy journey um, to get here. You know, I, I think what I've just explained there is, you know, if I go back to 2006, when I, I took my first assistant role with, with Liberty, that's 14 years. And within that 14 years, I've, you know, I was in football for five years, in development for one year, an assistant coach for five years, a volunteer coach for, I call it one year, but several months and now head coach for two and a half so it's been a crazy pathway um but but i love it and and i think what's what's kept me on the pathway and not quitting and not giving up is is just how much i love coaching how much i love leading young men young women um and yeah just really thankful um to be where i am today and, and the opportunity i've got yeah that that's a, a lot of terms in that story um what i want to dig in more into your time inside the football program because that's not always you know usually stay with one sport you flip-flopped between the two types of football um what what did you learn you talked about having a getting a master's degree in leadership what are some things that you learned there while working for the football program under coach Rocco and coach Turner Gill that maybe now is helping you as you're a head coach yourself in a different sport but that can still be applied to yeah, you know, I think um, I think there was probably two two sides or, or a couple of sides of it. I think as I I'll say this, you know, my first season there, or that first semester, two thousand eight, I was miserable. I was I, I, I had a bad attitude. Um, there's only two office. There's only two offices in that uh, football operations center that you can see the soccer field from, and mine was one of them. So every day I'm watching someone else coach my team, you know, and I'm feeling bitter and salty about all that and, and upset that God, what, God, why have you got me here? You know? And so I really missed an opportunity that first two or three or four months. Um, but, but once I kind of stopped feeling sorry for myself um, and just looked around, it, it was amazing 
it answered all so many things that, that I wanted God to answer. And I think as I look at it, first and foremost was Danny Rocco, who was the head football coach. Danny Rocco is just the most incredible leader there is, you know, and, and just the way he led his staff, organized his staff, led his team, the most unbelievable motivator. You know, I'm a tall, skinny, white English kid. And there'd be some team meetings, I'd be ready to pad up and put a helmet on and go hit somebody. You know, it was just, it was just unbelievable how he, how he got this buy-in. I mean, his players would literally stand in front of a bus for him. Uh, uh, and his ability to, to cultivate that was astonishing. And I was the same as a staff member. I think the thing which summed Danny up was um, he'd always have these uh, sayings uh, for our season and, uh, I think in 2010, the theme was um, the quest for a championship. And, maybe, and we didn't win it, so 2011 was the quest continues. <clears throat> and I remember the janitors that cleaned that, that building, one morning they put up signs all over the building that said, we are with you on your quest. And I was like, this man's even got the janitors ready to play. You know what I mean? He, he was yeah. just unbelievable. And um, so, so, so as you can imagine, there was that side of it. Plus I'm in charge of really, I'm the recruiting coordinator, um, you know, and, and, and learning, you know, as, as, as a soccer coach, you know, in terms of on campus, I, I might have, heck, if I have 30 kids, 40 kids on campus in a year, that's a lot. I was having 30, 40 kids on campus a day, you know, weekends, we'd have 200 guests on campus. You know, I've, in my five years, you know, I've, I've interacted with more recruits than I'm ever going to interact with as a, as a soccer coach. And so again, you talk about organizing that and, and, and then there's the operational side helping Paul Retigliano was a, is the, was the director of operations over there and helping Paul, you know, just, just make this program run was amazing. And then um, I think, I think, the, the, the test of fire there for us was when Danny Rocco resigned and Turner Gill came in, um, you know, Paul and myself and Charlie Skalaski, who was a recruitment coordinator, man, we really, it felt like every day we were holding that, that ship together um, in the transition. And, and yeah, just, just a brilliant, I, I, I really became, frankly, I became a man in the football program. You know, before I got over there, I was just a kid who thought he knew everything. Um, and in football, you're immediately aware of how little you know and how quickly you've got to learn it. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say the other, the other really big part of it was just how God knew exactly what I needed. Um, and so, for example, in 2008, I'd been married for about a year. Um, so I'm trying to learn how to lead my wife. And, you know, I'm a young coach or a young administrator, and I'm, I'm trying to understand what all that is about leadership. And, and really what I needed in my life was, was some good male leadership. But, but as I'm sure you know, where the heck do you find that, right? Like, do you go ask someone? Do you try to meet someone? How, how does that work? And God just, God just picked me up, put me in an environment I had no business being in. I'm utterly unqualified, right, to be in that environment. I've got 11 full-time coaches, all of them older than me, some of them old enough to be my grandfather, that have been doing this for 30, 40 years, you know, plus strength conditioning coaches, the medical staff, all the, the equipment stuff, all, just around all these people that, that between them literally had decades and decades and, and, and centuries, literally, of experience that I just didn't have. And, and to be in that environment was, was just unbelievable. And, and I, I, I became better. But again, 
it just shows God's faithfulness because never in a thousand years would I have chosen it for myself at the beginning. Knowing yeah. what I know now, I'd, cho- I'd choose it every single time. But again, just, just amazing how God works, you know? Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you, and then you moved on back to the women's soccer program at Liberty. Um, and you guys had four incredible years. I got to actually go to UNC one, one game in NCAA first round. I got to travel and go watch you guys. Um, but when you have that kind of success in that period of time, how do you continue to keep your players hungry and humble so that the next year they can come back and try to do even better? You know, um, how, how is that? How can you do that on a regular basis in order to sustain a four year period where all you guys did was win and send players to play professional soccer and then the freshmen coming in? How, how, how were you guys able to do that as a staff? Yeah, I think it starts, listen, it starts with talent, right? You can't win if, if you don't have talent. So, you know, you've, you've got to throw that out there. And we, we were fortunate. We were blessed to have some unbelievable players, Brittany Underwood. And um, I, I, I could, I, to be honest, I'm not going to name any more players because <laughs> I, I could name every single one. I'm really, really talented group of kids. But it was really kind of lightning. Is lightning in a bottle the right? I, or, or just, it was God's timing was a lot of it. And so what I mean by that was, you know, Coach Hayne, who was a really good, good coach had I think when I came back in I think well she must have been going into her sixth season because I'd been in football for five years right so she was going into her sixth season and, and it had been okay but about 500 and and I think where I gave give coach a lot of real credit is when she brought me in she she really said okay let's let's break this thing down and start again and that's where we were able to put in a lot of the just the the principles and ideas from football um and so we were able to build a really strong program off the field with, with strong principles and well-organized, a really well-oiled machine and that sort of thing. But then I think we were then able to really create, not that it wasn't this way earlier, but really create a program that was Christ-centered um, and, and, and using that as motivation for where we wanted to go, what we wanted to achieve. Um, but I think as well, I, I think where Coach Hain and myself and Coach Laura Armstrong was there as well, who's a brilliant, brilliant coach as well. But I think, I think the piece that I brought, which complemented Coach Hain was, <clears throat> it was a Christ-centered program. But I think what I learned in football was we, we are going to beat you unapologetically. And I think as Christian coaches and as Christian programs, sometimes we are, we're afraid to, win in case we offend somebody and and for me christ was a winner christ just came in and won every day right like he just came in and won and beat the enemy and won every single unapologetically and i think that's that's a mindset that i um was able to bring over with me from football and it and it did it created this this great environment where you know, in our first season, 2013, we went, we just went ahead and had the best season in school history, right off the bat, 16 wins, um, won the conference championship, went into the first round. Um, and we just, and I, I think it's that mindset then that we just continue to strengthen that idea that we are Christians and we're going to win. Now we're going to win um, with character. We're going to win with integrity. We're going to win with sort of class and all those different things, but heck, we're going to, smash you 
okay? Like, and then when we do beat you, we're going to tell you it's because of the power of Christ. That, 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 that mindset was there. You know, we set big goals. We wanted to be a top, um, certainly at that point, ultimately we want to win a national championship there. And that was the, the, the message we would send to the girls. And we would paint this huge picture that, that this is going to be a national championship winning program. But then we were able to show progress along the way. You know, you never just become the national champions, but we were able to show at the end of 2013, we were ranked uh, 63rd in the nation, I think it was. And we were able to demonstrate, hey, girls, we're ranked ahead of UCLA. We're ranked ahead of Georgia. We're ranked ahead of Southern California. Like, and all of a sudden, you know, seeing is believing sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, Good to have and, some validation. Yeah. And there was that. And then in 2014, we were even better. Like in 2014, Again, we, we just had the best season in school history. We had to, if we wanted to achieve our goals and continue on our pathway, we had to go and have the best season in school history again. And we, we did, statistically. We, we went 14-2-1 and one or something. Uh, highest win percentage in school history. Uh, won, the regular se- won the conference regular season championship. And we lost in PKs in the title game. So we were PKs away from you know, from going back to the NCAA tournament. We were unbelievable. We were in 10 games in a row that year. We were almost unstoppable. Um, and then that kind of gave us a little bit of a chip on our shoulder in 2015 to come back again and, you know, different challenges and, um, and, and it always changes a little bit. But um, what I really liked about our 2015 season, again, it was just, it's just about mindset. And what I had learned... In 2013, when, when we came in, Radford in the Big South, we were in the Big South at the time, Radford was the team. They were actually the back-to-back champs. They were picked to win it again, and, and we, we crushed them. We crushed them 5 nothing in the championship game. And so fast forward to 2015, we're kind of the back-to-back champs, and, and we've got the target on our back. Just really proud that when we're in that locker room at Chapel Hill at halftime, it's 0-0 against the 23-time national champions. We're, we're ranked 53rd or, or 54th fourth in the country highest highest the program's ever been been ranked and and, and we're hanging with the best team in the, maybe the best team in the world i mean they're unbelievable chapel hill and, yeah. and so you know really proud of that and, and and sad that god's plan was for that journey not to continue the head coach retired after that and 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 as i talked about earlier i i left the program but but really proud of um what we did with the program, but, but the way we impacted the, the girls and the culture for Christ, you know, Jesus was, was the center of that. Um, and, uh, but we, we just loved it. I, I reminisce of those days often. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that you guys did or you personally um, to get to know the girls on a personal level um, so that you could build that kind of culture? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think, I think sometimes, uh, I do remember in, in when I first got the job in, in the spring of 2013, I remember where I started was, you know, the, the other two coaches, the head coach and the assistant coach saying, Hey, let, let me, let me fill you in about all the girls, about all the players. And I was like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to know about them because I don't want any preconceived ideas. I didn't want any of their frustrations being, being passed on to me. Um, I was like, no, I'll, I'll get to know them. I'll, I'll, I'll get to understand who they are. And, and I, and I do, I do. I think if there's one thing I do a good job of as a coach, it's it's finding ways to connect with players. And you know how that is. I mean, sometimes yeah. you can't put a finger on how or why you manage to do that. It's just a skill you have, and you you know you listen well, and you 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 try to find out what motivates them. And 
you know, I'm, I'm purposeful about understanding, trying to understand people's background, well, who, who doesn't have a father in their life or who, you know, who's transferred here because X, Y, and Z happened at the previous school and, and just trying to get a good feel for who, who they are as people. Um, and I think th this was really a God thing that came to me as well. So 2013, I loved it. My, my, probably my most favorite season of coaching because of that. I just had belief in everybody because I didn't know anybody's background or baggage or no one had frustrated me yet, right, as a coach or any of that stuff, right? And I remember, in two, I remember early in 2014, you know, the spring season, it's probably January or February. And one of the, I can't remember who it was, but one of the girls did something. And I just remember thinking, oh, typical so-and-so. <laughs> and I just caught myself, or maybe God caught me. And he just, he basically put, this in front of me he said he said don't be cynical trust them and and that was really powerful to me because and i had this and I, and I drew it on a sticky note on my thing and and what i drew what i drew was like two cliff edges with a little chasm in between them and there's a little person on on the middle and you know where the person is on the left and where they're going on the right and in the middle is just this chasm they've got to get over and you've got two choices because you've got to fill that chasm some with something yeah. And you can either fin fill it with cynicism or you can fill it with hope and belief. And so it was just a visual for me every day. Like I, I, I've got to fill it with hope and I've got to believe the best in my student athletes every single day. Um, because if, I, if I'm cynical, that, then that's the first step probably to you, you, the, you ultimately leaving your job. If you don't trust your players, you don't believe in your players, you've got no chance. And, and so again, that wasn't really me. I'm not that intelligent, but um, again, I just feel like it was a God thing. Like, so, you know, just saying, just trust her, whatever she's saying, trust it, you know? And um, you know, Becky Burley, who we know quite well, I didn't know Becky at the time, but this certainly fits. It's that idea of um, get curious, not furious, right? Like, well, why is that happening? Have some curiosity behind trying to figure out why instead of just being upset and um and things like that so i i think that mindset allowed certainly me to to build some relationships and and, and stand in the gap for some players and and um yeah and without without being without building relationships you can't lead anybody yeah. um and things like that so yeah i'm, I'm glad you mentioned becky burley um because my next question was going to be a little bit more about professional development um we both went to a program um, with Celia Slater, Becky was a part of that program as well, um, where we were able to share our stories, share our struggles with coaches from all different divisions and all different sports, um, not just sports specific problems. Um, and both of us started on this professional development journey that's still going, you know, it's still a process. Um, what are some of the th books or podcasts that you listen to or read that you would, um, advise or recommend to someone who's starting coaching right now? Yes, I think, you know, I, I think my, my starting point is, is True North Sports and, and Celia Slater, who, who runs that. That, that was, you know, as, as a soccer coach, we seem to be about the only sport that has required professional development built in. We have to go get coaching courses and coaching licenses, but that's all largely X's and O's. And, and you know, I, I went through all of those. And, and, and although the X's and O's are there and you learn about those, the older you get, the more you just realize, gosh, that is such a, at best, that's 50% of it, at best, yeah. right? And, and, and when Celia Slater's email came across my inbox in 2015, it just looked like this answer to prayer of like, oh, this, this is it, where, you know, it, it's basically everything but the X's and O's. And, and it has, it's been an exceptional journey 
with True North Sports, you know, done almost nonstop, have, have done professional development with them since 2015. And it's made me not only a better coach, better husband, better father, better friend, better son, better person. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I credit Celia Slater and, and, and her staff with that. Um, so yeah, I, 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 think, I think professional development, if you are a coach, you should be every day looking to grow or, or certainly every, should we use the phrase season, you know, every year, like you should be looking to grow um, because this is our profession. This is, this is what we do. It's yeah. to be honest, when I'm on hiring committees now, we, we're, we're interviewing for a head women's lacrosse coach tomorrow. That's one of my big questions. Like what, what do you do for professional development beyond going to your conference once a year, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, true North sports, please check that out. It, it'll change your life. Yeah. Um, and then, and then beyond that, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I try to read a lot of books, you know, I'm, I'm and, and they, you know, a lot of the time it's, yes, it's, I'm just looking behind me at my bookshelf, you know, it's, um, you know, what drives winning, um, you know, are just good to great, all, all of those great books and they're, they're powerful. I'm reading an old one, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie and that's 80 years old and I'm just trying to find ways to, um, you know, to, to learn. I, um, and then we've all got our, our little podcast that we like to listen to. I, um, I'm currently listening to one, which I'm obsessed with called the high performance podcast, which is, which is brilliant. I, I assume the Christian coaches podcast is going to be <laughs> a go-to here. Um, I, I, I will. The high performance this, uh, podcast with, um, Burchard. Uh, it's with Jake Humphreys and okay. um, Professor Damien Hughes. Okay. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and then there's, there's the learning leader um, with Ryan Hawke. Uh, and then, I, you know, for me as a soccer coach, there's the Modern Soccer Coach podcast, which is always very interesting. Um, it's probably from a more soccer specific uh, percent. But I think, I think what I would say as it relates to professional development too, is sometimes like you can get overwhelmed with professional development. I think 2020 has been an unbelievable example of that because yeah. basically when lockdown happened, everybody had chance, had time to run webinars and create podcasts and push books and all this stuff. And, and, and I do think that within your professional development does need to be just time to stop and time to relax and, you know, read, read a book for fun. Don't, don't read a book to get better and, you know, take up a hobby. Uh, I think I think that's one really big thing about professional development. I read a book um, uh, about Sir Alex Ferguson, who's the Manchester United head or former Manchester United head coach, and and, and he, he was talking about longevity in the game, and 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 he he talked about how obsessed he was with the game. But then someone got him into horse riding, or, or should we say, kind of horse ownership and and yeah. and, and, and yeah, the betting culture and things like that that go along with that. But basically horse racing just became this outlet for him. And he talked about how, you know, without that hobby, he'd never have been as, um, had the same longevity in the sport as he did. And when I read that, it, it made me realize how few hobbies I have. <laughs> you know, my, my, my hobby is soccer because I'm a soccer player, a soccer coach, but obviously it's also become my profession. Uh, and so, yes, I've been, I've been very aware of, okay, I, I need a hobby outside of this game. And I'm, I haven't quite found one yet. I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. I'm trying to do all these different things. I haven't quite found it yet, but yeah. So professional development's important, but I think really what, what, what professional development really should mean is maybe what you need right now. 
um, whether it's to get better or whether it's to recharge and stop or, 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 or take your mind off your job or whatever it is. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, um, Adam. I, I know you're busy. Um, we like to end uh, each interview with prayer requests. Um, what could we be praying for you in the coming days, coming weeks, coming months? You know, I think probably, you know, probably for professionally, the, the, the major concern right now, we, all of our students, our school is online. They're all online and uh, we chose not to come back this fall. And, and they're, they're, it seems to be at least a 50-50 shot that we might not come back in the spring. So obviously that's a, a major prayer request right, right now that the powers that be feel like it's safe enough to come back and, and that we do come back because if we don't, you know, the concern is it would decimate our program and and things like that so that's a that's a daily prayer request but then you know beyond that my 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 coaching philosophy is is i desire to be a great husband and father more than i desire to be a great coach which is a daily challenge um so so just prayers that i can that i can be that for my wife and for my two sons and um and uh once i'm done with being a great husband a great father be a great coach too so all right let me pray for us real quick um dear jesus thank you so much for this talk with Adam and uh, thank you so much for his leadership at Randolph and everywhere he's been. Uh, Lord, I pray that that you give us some more closure, more information about the upcoming season that we'll know what what's ahead. Um, and Lord, uh, keep uh, Adam's family safe, keep them um, engaged with each other, Lord, and help him lead the household in a manner that glorifies you at all times, Lord. And thank you so much for your love for us. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Jim. What a fantastic interview, Jim. Thankful for Adam. Um, I love the British accent. I just found myself listening to him and, and enjoying just hearing him speak and using the different different verbiage and, and language. But um, what stood out to me the most from this one was how in the middle of his coaching career, he went and slid over to help the football team. And I'm sure that wasn't in Adam's plans but God had to teach him some lessons and learn some, from some amazing coaches. And then he was able to go back and apply that to his soccer programs. And that's a big reason why they're doing so, so well. Yeah. Um, and if you couldn't tell by, by the interview, uh, Adam is a very intense guy. Um, and he's always eager to learn and, and get better. And my, the quote that stood out to me was when he said that, even at Liberty and some, sometimes at Christian institutions, we, we get a little cautious with the word, like we're gonna beat the opponent, we're gonna win. And sometimes it, we can seem a little soft, but Adam has instilled at Liberty soccer, as well as Randolph now, um, that they're gonna beat you unapologetically, but they're gonna do it in a, in a Christ-like manner. Um, I'm so thankful for and Adam I, sitting I, down with us. Uh, what do you have to say, Chad? And I think his exact words were, we are going to smash the opponent. Um, coach, that, that's it for this podcast. Um, thank you so much for all of you that are listening. If you don't mind, please uh, rate and review. It'll be a great help for us. Share the episodes that you, um, that you like the most with your staff, with your family, with other coaches. And coach, I want to remind you as always, the mission field is right where you're at.